into the contest. It's Thursday, the 13th of October. Welcome to Afternoon Sport. Tim Gilbert here. I'm joined by Shane Lee. Shane, look, I'm looking at all these... HSC stories at the moment, history exams, and it, it brings back bad memories. It really does. Back, it brings back bad memories. You weren't you weren't fond of studying, Timmy. It's um yeah, it's interesting. It's uh well, one thing that doing this show afternoon sport has taught me that I'm a very good crammer. <laughs> um, we have to read a lot of sport every day, and um, I pretty much did that when I was doing my HSC. The one thing I do remember, Tim, is that mm. you'll start seeing around Sydney. In November, from memory, um, there's the jacaranda trees, the, the beautiful purple flowers that come out. And we always said at university, if you had started studying by the time those flowers come out, it was too late. Oh, yeah, I was the ultimate crammer. I think I got into my university degree by one point, and uh, it was ridiculous. <laughs> and I still have the odd nightmare that I've turned up in my pyjamas for the HSC exam. I'm sure other people still have some of these dark memories about those times. But in that, in saying that, we wish everyone all the best. All right, big, big news. This Australian cricket team go down by a whisker in a game that Ben Stokes did the most miraculous save on the boundary. Could David Beckham's son, Romeo, do something? big in the world game and Dustin Martin as a tour guide in life the most important thing is trust without it everything is a lot harder in a quickly changing and turbulent time Barclay Pierce Capital is a safe pair of hands an organisation built on people they understand you've worked hard to build your nest egg and their asset management business is tailored to suit your needs Their services help grow your wealth in order to provide long-term safety and security for you and your family. BPC, just a phone call away. G'day, it's Richard Cheekway here. I look forward to having lunch with you on Friday the 28th in Sydney at Shano's Lunch with Lee event. Head to lunchwithlee.com for all details and see you there. England started so poorly with the bat, but one thing that really good teams do is they recover and they just keep charging forward. And that's what you need to do in this format. You can't pause, you can't try and rebuild. You need players in your team just to continue to go forward. And that's what Milan uh, led the way with. Uh, and they got up to a very, very competitive total and they won the game last night in Canberra. Yeah, Australia won the toss, sent England in. England uh, scored seven for 178. And defeated the Aussies. Aussies only managing 170 in the end. Uh, Milan, the best with the bat for the Poms, 82 of 49. And, and Moen Ali, as you said, chipped in towards the end with 44 of 27. Stornis was the best of our bowlers with 3 for 34 and Zampa 2 for 26. Um, but our batting, is, it's just quite not quite there yet, Tim. Um, Warner missing out. Finch missing out again with only 13. Maxwell has been in pretty poor form. He only scored eight. Uh, Mitch Marsh, the best of our batters, scoring 45. And Tim David, who I think is a, a superstar and a great inclusion in that Aussie team, once again down the order getting 40 off 23. He does that on a regular basis. Yeah, he's a good batsman, isn't he? Very, very mm. talented. I mean, anyone that's holding Steve Smith out of the side is very good. And there were those pivotal moments which are so important in a modified version of the game. The six on the mm. last ball of Stoinis's last over uh, took England up a, a little bit further. That Ben Stokes save, if you get the chance to have a look at it online today, and it's everywhere, Ben Stokes basically dived. He didn't get the six, but he got the ball back in. And just all those little moments that went England's way for Australia, they need to 
to to get them go their way. I mean, I don't know whether David Warner was still suffering a little bit from that early knock, but they've got another game against England. Of course, we're not too far away from the World Cup starting proper. Now, tennis news, Shano. Uh, Australian Open officials will have come out quite strongly and said they're not going to lobby the federal government to overturn Novak Djokovic's three-year ban. So um, this is this is Craig Tiley, of course, at the Australian Open in Melbourne. So they're not going to get on the front foot to say, you've got to let him in. No, Craig Tiley being the CEO of, of Tennis Australia. And, um, yeah, he's very adamant. It's not, well, it's not really his job, to be honest. Um, uh, but when you look at it, Novak is a nine-time Australian Open champion. <laughs> um, he could have won 11 by now uh, oh, yeah. if, if he did, missed out on this one. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's a bit of history going uh, to the wayside, I think. But... Look, as he said, it's not his job to lobby against the government. The government's there to do their job, and they've done their job, and it'll be up to Novak to try and overturn their decision. Uh, now, the Matildas, of course, have got a huge task next year. and They're on their home deck here in Australia and New Zealand with the World Cup, and you can only say that the last six months for them has been a wobble-a-thon, hasn't it, really? They're, they're, but they've had a good win over there in Europe. They started 1-0 uh, down, but went on to beat Denmark 3-1. Yeah, well, Gustafsson's a coach, and to say that the last six months has been a wobble, it's, it's a bit of an understatement, Tim. I reckon they've been terrible, uh, the Matildas. Um, but they had finally had a win. Um, they played Denmark, who are a very good side. Uh, the game started with the Matildas down 1-0 in the first 47 seconds, the, uh, the Danish team scoring. But they did well to come back. Caitlin Ford scored a double. Um, in their second half, uh, the nine minutes they played in the second half where they scored two quick goals then scored another one um, was a, a real sign, of, I suppose a really positive sign that, that they can do it, but they need to somehow focus and, and not have those poor starts like they've had in the last six months. Very hard being the son of a superstar. Mm. A few people, younger people are asking the question, this week, that I was part of discussions, you know, like, oh, is he uh, Zach Fittler as good as his dad? And and my response is, look, look, don't even go there. He's, his mm. dad was an out-and-out superstar. It's going to be very, very difficult for him to replicate what his dad did. We're talking, you know, a very good footy player as a young guy to one of the greats of the game. And David Beckham, one of the greats of the world game, to try and compare any of his three sons to him would be would be foolhardy and difficult, but it looks like he's one of his sons, Romeo, I think he's the middle guy, um, <laughs> is going to play for the Brentford B team. He, he's 20. He's 20. He got his first leg up because uh, his dad is a part owner in the Inter-Miami team. Mm. Um, and apparently he's had some good performances, but at 20 years old, he's going to go over to the Bre- Brentford B side um, and, and play a few games. So we'll see how it goes. I think the big difference between someone like David Beckham's kids and and Brad Fittler's kids, whilst Brad Fittler would have made a few bucks, the, the Beckhams are worth close to a billion dollars. So, you know, Romeo cruising around on dad's massive boats and and living the high life, there's, there's a bit of incentive not to really do anything, isn't there? Yeah, it'd be hard to be hard to motivate yourself to train, wouldn't it? One more of those, thanks. Um, yeah. Now, speaking of people with uh, large boats and plenty of money, um, mm. most of the chat about Greg Norman, of course, over the past little while has been about the LIV tour and money and business, but um, he's lost his dad. And, of course, uh, those that have followed his career quite closely will know how close he was to his mum and dad up there in the north and uh, – He's paid tribute to him. Yeah, beautiful tribute to his dad, Mervyn, who Greg basically put down that the reason that he, Greg himself won 89 professional tournaments and 20 PGA titles was due to his dad and the way that his dad brought him up and, and 
just how his mind was set and, and how he played and his work ethic was all down to his dad and um, he's going to miss him dearly. It was a beautiful tribute from both both him and Greg's son uh, you know, on their grandfather. To, to lose his grandfather is a, a big thing and... Um, yeah, Greg's really going to miss him. Yeah, he showed a real human side, that's for sure, yeah, didn't it? Did. It, was, it was a nice touch. It, it is there. Yeah, absolutely. Stay with us. We've got all the NRL, the AFL, and plenty more. John O'Brien is a legend of Australia's beer industry. In 2003, he dreamed of producing a great-tasting beer that could be enjoyed by everyone, free from the ill effects of mass-produced wheat and barley. John began a brewing journey blending unique aromas and flavours offered by ancient grains such as sorghum and millet. He perfected recipes over time which have led to 40 local and international awards, including three gold medals at the Australian International Beer Awards, a gold medal at the Indies and a silver medal at the Beer World Cup. Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back. Look, one of the big problems with the AFL draft, and look, let's get to the first problem, which is never really raising its head in the AFL because no one opposes it. The reason why the NRL draft never comes in, a lot of people have asked the question, is that uh, it, if contested in a court of law, it would be seen as a constraint of trade. So that's one of the reasons why the league have never gone mm. there. But the AFL, well, this is part of their system. But it, it, it's not broken, but it's, it's, it's hugely being affected by the fact that many, particularly younger people who are drafted to places, because this is a national game. We're talking from Sydney to Perth, uh, up north, yep. down south. They don't want to be too far away from home. So what's happening is a lot of them, despite what's happening in the draft, are leaning back towards wanting to go home. And it's a, it's an issue for them. It's a massive issue. And uh, it's really its ugly head again this draft period. Um, mm. the, the It's called the go home clause effectively within that. And so top the, the top five picks and five of the last six drafts have actually gone home. You look this year, Isaac uh, Rakeen, uh, Luke Jackson and Jason Horn Francis have all used that um, to go back to the states where they're from um, and return home. And you know, the, the basis behind the draft is to try and mm. create uh, an evenness across the, the league so the teams that don't perform well get, get the best young picks. But these young picks are going there for a season and returning home, so it's actually not doing the, its job, the, the, the draft at the moment. It's a real issue to, to grow the game uh, on a national basis, as you mentioned, Tim. Yeah, Dustin Martin, superstar of the game, if not the best. He's right up in the top few. Um, he's acted as a bit of a tour guide for Richmond with a young player. Good to see him helping out. Yeah, well, all, all good clubs do this. They, they use all their best assets, and, and Richmond's one of their best assets is Dustin Martin, the player. So he's welcomed Jacob Hopper um, to Punt Road and actually took him around as a bit of a tour guide. So uh, And Jacob said uh, once that happened, he knew that Richmond was the club for him, so it worked. Yeah, absolutely. Talking of superstars of clubs, um, but I don't know if he's doing any tours at the moment because he's not real happy with the management and the way it's it's going. He missed most of last year. Tom Travojevic. Uh, apparently losing his patience with Manly in this ongoing... Well, you can't call it anything much more than a shit fight, can you? <laughs> a shit fight uh, to the to the uh, nth degree. Um, yeah, but Travojevic and his brother Jake, back in 2019 when they re- renegotiated their agreement, they tried to put a clause in there to say that if Hazard was ever sacked, 
they would have a get-out clause. Um, Manly actually denied this, and they signed a six-year deal between them, um, valued upwards of $13 million combined. So that's not in there, but they are very, very close with Des Hasler. Uh, and it's only deepening the divide in the club. Yeah, absolutely. Now, to netball and uh, the great rivalry between Australia and New Zealand, but the Aussies have been blown away. The Diamonds, the sparkle taken away from them in a, in a, in a big Constellation Cup opener. Yeah, I love the name, the Constellation Cup between Australia and New mm. Zealand. And uh, we all know that the girls are the gold, current gold medalists, but they, they were blown away, 56 to 48. The Silver Ferns goal shooter, Grace Oweeki, she, she scored 40 goals um, from 42 attempts, so it was just on fire. But, yeah, a real good reality check for our girls. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Now, mate, um, I was a reasonable cricketer at school, played in the, the first, first 11 for a couple of years, just bowling these dinky little outswingers. But my game soon faded playing lower grades, so I never went on to do anything of great note, unlike yourself, of course, who played 45 one-day internationals for Australia, captain New South Wales, and blah, blah, blah. You did a great, uh, you know, had a great time of it. But not everyone, very few people um, hit that stratosphere. Uh, like your former business partner? My former business partner, a guy called Charles Houghton, who's an uh, English guy, and it just got me thinking because Australia's currently playing the Poms at the moment. Mm. Well, Charles, uh, I, I met Charles when um, I started in the business world. I was probably around 23 or 24, yeah. um, and Charles was a bit older than me, um, but he'd always talk up his abilities in the game of cricket. Um, <laughs> he told me he bowled... Here we go. <laughs> he told me, Dad's army. He told me that he bowled left arm around the wicket, and I... Um, I remember rooming with him once, so we ended up working out that he bowled a left arm around the wicket. But um, we finally went back to his little uh, club that um, he used to play for in England, um, uh, Henley on Thames, and we were there having a few beers. And I asked his few of his mates, you know, is Charles as good a cricketer as he as he as he talks about? And they both said, "Who the butter boy?" And I said, "Who's the butter boy?" They said, "That's Charles's nickname. He was a terrible cricketer. He was only there to butter the bread for the lunches, <laughs> the <laughs> afternoon teas." <laughs> but he did a very good job of that. He did a very, very good job there. Yeah, the butter boy, left arm round, everything. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. Make sure you hit follow or subscribe wherever you listen. Big thank you to our sponsors. Fantastic sponsors, Barclay, Pierce Capital. They're only a phone call away. And, of course, our wonderful producer, Dan McHugh. We're back tomorrow with your daily dose of sport. We'll see you then, guys. Take care. Thanks for listening to Afternoon Sport. If you enjoyed the show, why not check out one of our other podcasts, like Strive Stronger with Andrew May. Listen in as Andrew May explores the latest in human performance with an all-star cast of subject matter experts. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts or head to afternoonsport.com.